Hello, everyone, and welcome to Not Your Average Sports Podcast. My name is Zach Haroon, and I will be your host throughout the podcast. I suppose I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm from the great state of Illinois. Um, uh, I played sports all of my life, uh, mostly football and baseball. Um, that being said, most of my fandom revolves around the, the city of Chicago, um, except for the hated White Sox. Um, also, though, I am a huge fan of the University of Notre Dame's football program, and it is that love of sports, and in particular college sports, uh, that brings us here today. And so what I'd like to talk about in this podcast is compensation for um, college athletes. You know, what are their rights? Uh, do they deserve to be paid uh, by the universities for which they play? Or is there a, a path for them to receive compensation for their name, image, and likeness uh, without losing their NCAA eligibility? I think it's fair for me to point out that, uh, you know, I don't think the NCAA is some kind of evil empire trying to hold people down or steal money from them. Um, I also think it's important to, to look at, you know, how the NCAA was founded and where they and where it came from. And so with that being said, uh, I want to take a little dive um, into the history of the NCAA and uh I wanted to point out some some individuals um, who provided me you know, resources for this podcast, and that would be Alex Lodge um, with the Journal of Corporation Law, Alan Sanderson with the Journal of Economic Perspective, uh, Riley Smith with Marquette Sports Law Review. Those will also be cited in the show notes. Um, Um, before the NCAA was even uh, started, uh, college institutions had intercollegiate uh, competitions. Uh, Harvard and Yale in the late 1800s uh, had regattas, uh, boat racing, rowing, um, and even then, uh, you know, there was cheating. Uh, there's a story about Harvard uh, paying somebody who wasn't even a student of the university to, to be on the rowing team so that they could win. Um, so from the very beginning, um, collegiate sports in the U.S. was about uh, prestige and uh, what, it could, what it could do for the university. As sports expanded in the U.S., uh, you know, ended up becoming more than just rowing, uh, but in the beginning it was mostly all just run uh, by the students, the people participating in the sports, the faculty didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, conferences didn't exist. And so no sports really had any strong rules and, and certainly no governing bodies. Eventually, conferences were formed, but in the beginning, this was more about you know, creating a, a schedule and getting universities um, a chance to to have all of their teams compete against um, all the teams from a competitive university. 
but not necessarily to pass guidance or have oversight over the sports um, being played. And so what we end up with is this severely underregulated um, but very popular uh, collegiate sports mm. And with some sports, you know, not really having any set rules, uh, it could be a dangerous thing. Um, you know, in the early years of football, sometimes the rules weren't even decided until right up uh, the, the moment before the game was played. And so uh, it became, you know, we think about how dangerous it is now with concussions and the long-term effects of that. But uh, in 1905 alone... Uh, there were 18 deaths that were the result of collegiate football games. Um, so it was, a, you know, to be a frightening time to play the game. And this dangerousness and, and lack of a code of rules would directly bring about the founding of the NCAA. Uh, I think that'll do for today. Um, come back and... Uh, uh, next episode, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the history of the NCAA and maybe take a look at uh, why they do things that they do. So, thanks for listening, and I uh, hope you listen to the next episode.